Welcome back to another episode of the RockFit Files. I'm Rocky Snyder. This week, I'm really excited about this week. We're, we're talking with one of the contributing authors to the successful body as this series progresses to the season. And, and I should point out right now for the listening audience, if you want a chance to get a copy of the successful body free of charge delivered right to your home, then follow us on Instagram. That's Rocky underscore Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Follow us this week and I choose one of our followers and, and send a book your way. Now with the successful body, Christina Santini, who is a clinical nutritionist specializing in biological me medicine. She's with us this week, and I'm, I'm just excited to talk about not only nutrition, but how it relates to medicine and, and the world around us. So it, it seems like it's one of those nebulous areas or subject matters in which conventional medicine doesn't have a firm grasp. But here's an individual who's actually achieving that and working with doctors in a clinical setting with nutrition and getting them to kind of, no offense to the doctors in the world, but pull the wool from out of their eyes and out of their ears and let them see just how powerful what you put in your body really is to to your life. So Christina, welcome to the Rockfit Files. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I think what you said is really spot on that we really have a big uh, need in the health world to begin to talk together. And I also have to give due credit where it's uh, supposed to be that some of the most smartest doctors, uh, the people I've known, they have been doctors and they have trained me in understanding the connection uh, between nutrition and medicine and just treating the patient. Um, but I think the big uh, problem uh, in healthcare today is that we're not speaking together. Um, and I also, I mean, even though uh, I thought I knew some stuff by working with doctors and they began to train me in understanding the labs and so forth, um, the last couple of years, I've also just begun understanding just how much we still don't understand. And I'm talking about stuff like we're, we're really not thinking when people get sick of stuff like cancer, uh, lung cancer, uh, very few people actually realize that aside from cigarettes, the number two cause of lung cancer is radon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correct, but radon, yeah. radon, radon in people's housings. And I remember I had some clients and I couldn't figure out why are these people having lung cancer because they're not smokers. And I test for a lot of environmental toxins and I test for uh, nutritional status and vitamin and minerals. And I also I recently began testing, I'd say about recently, eight years ago, I began testing for mold, uh, just understanding how big a part that plays in people's health because I got really sick myself uh, from hidden mold. We couldn't see it. Um, but really understanding that yes, nutrition is important and movement is absolutely important, but there are a lot of things that we don't ask our patients about still, um, which are kind of silent killers in that if they're living in an environment that is toxic, um, the chemicals in the building or the mold or the radon, um, then it really doesn't matter if they're eating super healthy and they're moving their body uh, because they're being killed from the inside, basically. Um, and I think we have a lot of uh, people who are experiencing that. They're getting more and more fanatic with their diet and their exercise, but they're still struggling with some quite basic health issues. I would still say though, that I think a lot of your clients 
Um, I mean, if people have the energy to go to the gym and really work out, they're probably uh, not kind of the sickest of the bunch. Um, well, that's, that's really fascinating. I mean, there's there's some irony in what you're saying there, too, because historically, anthropologically speaking, we've come from environments that were trying to kill us, but we're talking about predators and prey. And then we, for the most part, overcome that and we build a community and an environment and unknowingly do the exact same thing. So the toxicity levels in our world are probably at the highest they have ever mm -hmm. been. Would yep. you agree? Yep. And it's also, if you're looking at the rate of which various um, chronic diseases have just become epidemic just the last 30 years since the 90s, and what has happened since the 90s, I mean, obviously, a correlation is not like causation, but we know from research that a lot of these pesticides and chemicals that we're spraying on our foods, we're building in the houses, and uh, the NIH also just came out with, um, an assessment that 25% of cases of asthma is due to mold. And people mm -hmm. are just using asthma inhalators for the rest of their life. And it might be due to mold. I mean, to me, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I mean, you have people living in moldy houses and they're on asthma medicine or migraine medicine. Mold also gives migraine to some people. Um, and it's like, we don't really connect the dots. Well, I know in California, we have a substantial mold issue with the, well, just in Santa Cruz County here, I know a lot of people with mold issue. And, and of course, we're a temperate rainforest. So we get tons of rain through a portion of the year, gets trapped under homes with poor ventilation. And, and you see it in the, the forest regions where the shade trees are. And it, it has proven to be a really... A, uh, yeah, an epidemic here locally. And, yeah. and you say that uh, for the last seven or eight years, you've been able to measure such things. How, how do you do that? Um, well, you have some really good labs in the States. Uh, Great Plains is a really good lab. And they have been one of the pioneers in uh, testing uh, for mold toxicity. Uh, so I used them as soon as they came out uh, due to some own, we had some issues in the family, which I couldn't sort out. And it's like, how are you gonna treat it if you can't test for it? So we tested the family and it turned out that uh, all three of us at the time had a mold issue. And our symptoms, mine were that I were developing migraines out of the blue. Um, these were absolutely debilitating, like three days in a row, I would just vomit. And it was just like, I was felt like I was gonna kill myself. Um, I would have estrogen dominance symptoms. Uh, I would have issues also with um, weight gain, uh, not like a huge weight gain, but I could feel that I was gaining more weight on my abdominal than I was really comfortable with. And that was due to hormonal imbalance, that which was due to the mold. Uh, so again, I mean, you need to go upstream until there is no, no more questions to ask because we also see a lot of people are like, oh, okay, then let's treat the weight. But then we see a lot of people who actually, and it's difficult because we can't put them in a box. So we can't follow them all day. We don't know what's really going down. But I think for some of my clients, I am convinced that there is more than just too many cookies going in. There is weight loss resistance, uh, chemical toxicity, mold also plays into that. Um, and then a lot of them have hormonal imbalances. And if we stop there and treat the hormones, we're still missing the boat because what's causing the hormones to go uh, a screw 
that is hormone disrupting substances, which could be the mold or other chemicals that they're exposed to. And we're not gonna treat kind of the bottom issue if we don't keep asking why, why, why. And if the issue is the mold in the house, all the clean diet in the world is not really gonna matter a lot. Certainly. Now, so let's just say that you followed it all the way upstream and mold is the culprit. Uh, in your case, did you get your environment remediated so it was cleared out or did you just change environments and move away from that area? I moved. I moved. Um, it was an old house, but I would have to say that I just thought mold was more visible, more vicious kind of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I see that from a lot of my clients. They're like, well, I don't see anything. No, but it's hidden. It's hidden behind the walls. Yes. And also a really bad thing in California, because uh, I got a re-mold situation. Actually, I was staying in an Airbnb, uh, which is like, I think that was like approximately one or two, two years ago. And I began to get these uh, symptoms of asthma. And um, I uh, discovered that in the AC, it was completely full of, you could see it when you tore it apart, it was full of black mold in the AC. Oh. And I say, and that's because you have the cold air and the warm air. So that has a high risk of um, getting really humid inside the AC. That's a big thing. Yeah, you had a greenhouse going, my gosh. So aside from mold, what are the typical sources of toxicity you know, in terms of toxicity issues? Yeah. I would say today, um, mercury fillings, everybody over 40 years old, uh, and that's a big one. And it's also really important that people remove them safely. Uh, and that means going to, I would say a holistic dentist is a good option, but you really wanna ask for both something called cofferdam and vapor control, because those two things, that's gonna ensure that they remove them safely. Otherwise, if you remove the mercury and it get, goes out into your body, that's, I would say, I won't say you're screwed, but it's, it's really bad. And um, so the, the heavy metals, uh, I understand they, they head up more toward the neurological system and, and mm -hmm. cause neurological disorders. Is that correct? Exactly. I mean, mercury, I'm seeing a lot of, especially, I won't say especially guys, but because guys have more work in handyman field, they're working with lead, they're working as firemen. Um, so, and then they also have the mercury from the dental fillings and they have maybe mold from the house. Um, but all of these things combined, they can really lead to aggression, depression, um, and also men's sexual health issues. So a lot of things that can play into a feeling of, I'm really not feeling great right now. And then they might think it's a psychological thing. Um, and it's really a biochemical thing. I had a guy um, and he, that was exactly, it was lead and mercury and mold. Uh, and he was aggressive and depressed and he didn't understand why. He went to a shrink and he was in and out of the psych ward. Um, he had a beautiful wife, cute kids. I mean, everything was going for him so it didn't really make sense. And he understood the tools that the shrink was asking him to kind of develop. He had all the skill set to emotional management, but he just didn't feel right. Um, and when we tested him, he had acute mercury, lead, and mold levels. Now, this is not easy to get rid of, so it's not like it's magic, but it begins to give an understanding that people are not crazy, and maybe it's not just 
their emotions. Maybe there is a biochemical explanation. And um, so you can begin to work with that. So I, I think I feel like it can give people some hope because then there is an explanation of why they're feeling so crappy, even though it can easily take up to two years to get those things out of the body. So it's not a quick fix. Yeah, so obviously uh, early dental fillings uh, are a source of heavy metal intrusion into the body, but mm. so are s certain seafoods, as I understand it. The mercury yeah. level in the oceans absorb into the fish, and then we have the fish. So it's 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 also kind of diet related, would you say? I would say yes, but um, unless people are eating fish every day, which some people would, and especially bodybuilders, eating tuna cans every day and salmon, um, but unless you're doing that, I don't see the acute toxic levels. I mean, still, if you're pregnant, you don't want to give it to your baby. Uh, so that's a different matter. Um, but the, the dental fillings are really the most significant cause of it, unless you're eating sushi every day. And I would still say, don't eat fish and seafood more than if, unless it's wild caught and stuff uh, more than twice a week. But when I test on the labs, it's, it's not as scary as the dental fillings. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that we're talking about kind of silent killers or silent, silent culprits. And we are wired neurologically to detect warnings, predators, threats through our visual field. And mm -hmm. if we don't see it, one, it either doesn't exist or we just don't know about it. And so I can see there being a conundrum here where you have these things, whether it's mold inside the walls, whether it's the fillings, what, all of it, what EMF, uh, there's yeah. just a whole yeah. bunch of things here that we're talking about that because we can't see it, uh, we don't yeah. put any weight or gravity toward the importance of detecting it. Would you agree? I, I, I so agree with you, and especially um, the thing with EMFs, because we have so much research at this point. And yes, it's primarily done on animals, but it's like, I don't feel like we have the option to wait and see how many humans die from it. If we can see that animals are getting brain cancer, they're getting heart tumors from too much EMFs. And this is the same amount that would correspond to a human being close to um, a Wi-Fi router or carrying a phone next to their head all day. And a lot of us are doing that because we are listening to a music. We're streaming all the time. We're listening to podcasts all the time, not knowing that. I mean, I also have an iPhone because it's difficult to not be in this world today without an iPhone. So we want to understand hacks where we can still be functioning in this world, but try to minimize a significant damage to a body. And just something like downloading the podcast you're listening to it, listening to it on fly mode. Um, but I think a lot of this also has to do with, like you're saying, we can't see the EMFs. So it feels like they're not there. And for me, I only made the real kind of changing point in my cell phone habits once I bought a EMF uh, acoustimeter uh, to measure it. So I could actually see, oh my goodness, uh, this is how far I need to be away from my phone when I'm making a call. This is the measurement when I'm streaming. I had no idea that just listening to podcasts was a big um, was a big contributor of EMF. But I download all my stuff and I can survive with it. 
And um, I would also say, I think that also played into my migraines uh, because that was kind of the final factor that I adjusted and I haven't had a migraine since. And I, those are in the science uh, connected to migraines, which is like a mild cause. I mean, it's more concerning if you're getting more scary stuff. But I'll, one thing I'm also concerned about with the EMF is you're seeing uh, how it's impacting the nervous system. And I would say just about everyone today are in a level of at least low-grade chronic stress. And we're seeing people who can't sleep. And you're giving all this good advice with melatonin, tryptophan, trying all these sleep herbs. But I'd say for most people, it just doesn't make a difference. And if you are under an impact, which is causing a constant elevation of your cortisol, which EMFs do, you're not going to be able to sleep because your body thinks you're constantly stressed. And that in itself, even if you remove the trigger being too much EMF, it's going to take a long time for your nervous system to not be on edge again. Um, and we're seeing kids, kids are being prescribed sleep medication like it's candy these days. And I also have to say, uh, I can notice myself that if I'm on too heavy impact, um, living right next to a cell tower or living in a small apartment where my neighbor has turned off the Wi-Fi, uh, that impacts my sleep. Um, Fascinating. So you mentioned there's a device that measures the EMF. Is that something that everyone can can purchase? I mean, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things is um, the EMF acoustimeter, which is available from emffields.com. And you can get this pretty cheaply for, I think it's like uh, in dollars. Maybe they sell it over there for $500. Okay. And it, it's just like when you can measure it, it motivates you to make that change because you don't realize it's there. Um, but it's like, and people are so um, skeptic about this, but I think it has a lot to do with if we realize that this is not great for our health, it's really out of our comfort zone and also for our kids because most people, how do they get their kids to behave well? They go and play on their iPad. And if you as, as a parent have to consider this might not be a healthy thing for your kids to do 24 seven, that really puts you in a, in a stressful position because you have enough stressors as being a parent as life is. And you also want to take that debate with your kid who's making a temper tantrum if they can't sleep with their iPad on. Um, and I'm not saying they can't sleep or do the iPad thing, but you have kids who are just using it 24-7. And we're seeing a connection there uh, with brain tumors. And their brain is so small that I really think we need to be cautious. I don't think there's anything... Um, tinfoil hat about saying, hey, can we just be cautious until we have proven it's safe? Now we're like, oh, we need proof that this is dangerous to everyone. And that's like we have seen in history, we saw it with the cigarettes. Doctors were bribed to tell that this was a great healthy thing to do and it would reduce stress. Uh, we saw it with asbestos. We were told that this was harmless. People died like flies. Uh, we saw it with the mercury and the dental fillings. Uh, dentists would say this is harmless in your mouth, even though you can kill someone with it. How did this make sense? I don't understand how this makes sense if we used our own brain and thought about it. And also, we have seen that 
um, just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We have the bacteria theory uh, back in the day that changed how women were dying at the hospitals pregnant because the doctor began to wash their hands. They didn't come over with all the bacteria infection. And they were, the person who talked about the bacteria theory, they were ridiculed because they were like, oh, what do you think? There are small people on your hands. Um, and I think this is, we're seeing history repeating itself. People are just ridiculing new knowledge. And I think that's sad that we don't uh, learn from history. Well, I, I see this, as you explain this, I, I see every person having you know, a relationship with the toxicity of their world and their environment. And with that, there are going to be people that have no care whatsoever, and they'll scoff at everything and, and they'll suffer consequences as, as it lays out. Then you've got the other extreme where people just completely do away with society as it is and go and live off the grid yeah. and try and be completely self-sustaining away from cell towers and away from humanity. But for everybody in between, there, there needs to be some kind of you know, you, you kind of come to terms with where you are. So I'm curious, as you learn more, where is your level of comfort and what did you have to say goodbye to or at least reduce? You've already told me a little bit about, oh, I need to put my phone so far away, but what other things like appliances around the house do you not have anymore or, or, or anything like that? Yeah, it's a good question because I'm, I'm a nature of... Um, what do I say, hiddenism myself. I, I like my cake. I'm not a gluten-free person. Uh, I like minimal effort for maximum impact. Um, I think I'm, I'm Italian. We love our food. We're, we love a life. That's just how it is. Um, but it's also, it's not fun uh, to get sick. It's not fun to have migraines. It's not fun to be uh, fat and sick. There's nothing glamorous about that. So yes, we do want to eat our chocolate cake and have our glass of champagne, um, but we don't want to be sick. So that's kind of the thing you have to figure out. Uh, and I think the easiest thing to do is for each one to get tested. Test your chemical levels, test your pesticide levels, your heavy metals, your mold levels, because that also kind of gave me permission to be like, okay, at least for now, I'm not buying organic clothes. I am buying mainstream clothes. I'm not seeing that I'm getting a lot of pesticides for my clothes. I'm not saying that this is ideal, but again, I want to make my life as simple as can be right now. And if I get new knowledge where there's a chemical that I until now have not been able to test it for, and then I see it's coming from the clothes, then I will change. But right now what I've seen is, okay, I need to figure out the mold situation. So I sorted that out. I needed to figure out that uh, I didn't have any chemicals in my body, um, which I see a lot of people who do, um, but mainly it comes from the water supply. So I haven't done anything to my water supply yet. I will because I'm moving into a house that I'm buying shortly. And I will say that the water quality these days is not great, even if you don't have chemical toxicity because the problem is uh, the halogenic compounds like fluoride, chlorine, and bromide. Um, bromide is not in the water, but the other two are. And we can't test for those yet in the human body. Um, so I would take 
Well, in California, everybody filters their water in California because there's so much fluoride and chlorine. But the rest of the world, we have a little bit of a problem because we may think that there is not high levels. But when you drink that water for 30, 50 years, I would still say that a water and shower filter, and this is also a big deal in California because I wasn't aware of that until also recently, your body is absorbing so much chlorine from the shower. Mm. And I was really a little bit lazy there, but when I saw the numbers, it's like it's coming straight into your body and it's several liters. So I would say rather go out and eat an In-N-Out or wherever, a burger, wherever you're from, um, then have your water and shower be filled with chemicals because these things are gonna accumulate in your body. The calories, you're gonna burn it off. Yeah, there's gonna be a little bit of uh, garbage if you're eating a burger, but it's so little compared to the water supply. So check your house, make sure there's no mold, make sure your water and shower supply is clean, um, and then get your mercury dental fillings removed if you have that, and also make sure that you don't have infections in any root canal teeth, uh, and turn off your Wi-Fi at night. And also, I would consider buying that's a little bit out there, but the acoustic meter on EMF fields for $500 to get an idea of where it's coming from. Because I was living in an apartment at a time and got three new neighbors on side of my uh, um, bedroom. And each one chose to put their Wi-Fi white under that bedroom wall. Um, and it's like, if I think I'm doing a great thing by turning off my own Wi-Fi, but I'm just being fried by their Wi-Fi, and I don't understand why do I still have issues sleeping, then I get demotivated and just turn on my own Wi-Fi because I'm like, oh, this doesn't matter. Um, so we really want to understand what's affecting us. And also something like not living. I know this is also not a little bit easier said than done, but if you're buying a house or if you're finding a new place to live, I would really not live right next to a cell tower, if you can avoid it. At least I would try to get myself 200 meters. And what's that in feet? I can't quite, that's About like- 600 um, feet, yeah. yeah, 600 feet or so. At least, and it's getting difficult with 5G, it is. Yeah, well, it's interesting. We, we do have a little plug-in timer that we put our power cords into so that things shut off at night and they come on in the morning. The one thing, of course, with like internet, cable and phone, it's all connected together. So if you're okay with, uh, most people don't have landlines anymore anyway, but I guess we're one of the old ones that do, but we don't, phone, cable, internet shuts off at a certain time of night. Um, it's, there, there's a whole bunch of other things I'm sure that we can do around our house but I'm curious, you mentioned like toxin problems. Like how does somebody detect what their own toxin problems are? Is are, It doesn't seem like, and I'm not trying to, to slam doctors in any way because a lot of the, like you say, a lot of your leading teachers are, are doctors themselves. But in conventional worlds around my neighborhood, let's say, where, where would I go? Uh, I mean, you have, I would say you have, uh, you have some good people in California. Um, you have, I have a list on my website called providers of, uh, practitioners that I recommend, uh, worldwide. Um, and you also have, uh, what is he called? Dr. Matt uh, from the, he's down in California. Uh, I forget, I forget it right now. 
but you have a pretty good doctor who's he's a bio biomedical i'm forgetting it it's it's on my website under providers okay um but they usually will test for that stuff but otherwise if you're in doubt you want to ask them do you test for chemicals pesticides mycotoxins heavy metals those are kind of the four key groups uh, that we want to get tested for. And that kind of easier makes you relax around your house. Like I could see that, okay, I don't have chemicals from PCBs in my house or bad chemical stuff uh, going off from mattresses. So I didn't bother uh, become a nutcase about that stuff because I didn't have it in my body. So it's like when you're reading those magazines and you're getting to the point where everything has to be organic or you're going to die or clothes has to be organic, the paint has to be organic, the mattress can be a, a ticking bomb. You know, I think it's just too much. It's like, oh my God, at the end of the day, you just like, you have to die from something and you're like, it's too abstract, you know? But I really think getting tested, that motivate. I mean, it, that's what motivates me to make a change. I can see, okay, I have mold toxicity, I gotta change that but I can relax with the other stuff. Um, but aside from that, you mentioned other habits I try to stick to, and, and that is I try not to get food, hot food or oily food in contact with plastic because that's just a really bad thing. Uh, plastic is a clinical proven obesogen, and that means it's like a chemical calorie. And if you're packing a healthy meal in plastic, which a lot of people do, uh, especially if it's hot, oily, or acidy, the plastic is going to go out into your food. I would really uh, try to avoid that. Also, like putting a plastic bucket in your microwave, use glass, just use glass. Well, that makes sense. And you mentioned the mattress and so on. We, we have allergen kind of mattress covers as well as pillow covers. I mean, considering that one third of our existence is yeah. going to be up against those objects, it just makes sense. And it's a little bit of an investment and a small peace of mind to know that not only are we trying to reduce dust mites and, and all the creepy crawlies that can can go there, but you're just you're just doing yourself one little step of, of goodness. Uh, what, what about microwaves? You know, where for a while uh, we, we hadn't had a microwave for years and years. And when we did have one, it was out in the garage. I mean, are we being a little bit over the top with microwaves? Because it sounds like it's one of the least tested appliances in the house. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really, but that's also, again, the, the problem. Just because there is an absence of evidence just means that there is uh, that's just evidence of absence. I mean, it right. doesn't mean that there's not, but I haven't been able to find hardcore scientific uh, research to support the notion that the food actually gets um, a lower bioavailable um, molecular change stuff going on. It might be, it's possible because you're using, it's not, I mean, just thinking naturally about it, you're using different kind of fields that's causing the structure of the food to heat up in a very different way than fire would. So it's possible, but we don't have any science that I'm aware of to support that. The only science we have to talk against the use of, of the microwave is that it's emitting quite a high load of EMF in the house. Uh, but then you could argue for, hey, I'm not using it that much, it's unplugged. So I'm gonna, I, I personally, I like to, if I'm in doubt, I kind of stay out. So I don't use the microwave, but um, 
maybe I'll come around. And I mean, it's a convenient thing to have. And I don't think it's that big of a deal if it's only occasional, you're heating something up in it. But if it's all your meals, I wouldn't feel like it's a good thing. But that's my feelings. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And you mentioned something else about uh, men's health problems. And, and kind of off the air talking about there's kind of like an overlooked epidemic going on. Can, can we discuss that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, well, tying a little bit back into my uh, example of that client case uh, guy, um, especially men suffer from toxicity issues these days and a huge, big, big issue. And also, I mean, women are suffering as well. Um, but those are the estrogen mimicking substances. This is just complete toxicity for the male gender. Uh, they don't want these estrogen mimicking substances in their body. I mean, what happens when females get them is our boobs get bigger and um, yeah, we might gain some weight and we might have a quite a bigger risk also of breast cancer. So it's not like it's harmless to females, uh, but for men um, that really messes with their testosterone. And when you begin to mess with that, that is your whole feeling of being a male, both um, psychologically, like, are you depressed? How's your energy level? Um, so we're seeing a lot of mental issues, which are in many cases, most likely tied to hormone disruption, hormone disrupting substances. And also um, very scary is that you're seeing animals, um, which are close to some of these uh, chemical outlets for some of the pesticides that are being sprayed on our food they are beginning to um, have genital changes. And we're seeing that also can occur in humans. So um, that's, it, it raises a lot of uh, questions that I don't think is for this <laughs> podcast, but it's, it's really scary um, that we're able to uh, mess with people's hormones like that, because that is both from a just cancer risk aspect, is a bad thing, but it's like the whole way of feeling as a person that you're messing with. And people might think that they're crazy and they might think that they're depressed. And um, again, as a man, and you know that more than I do, um, if it affects your sexual performance and you think that this is something psychologically, but it's actually a chemical toxicity. Wow, That's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. And so it makes me scratch my head about how many psychological issues, won't say disorders, but uh, troubles or complexities that occur are not the result of uh, being rooted in psycho psychology itself, but could yeah. be a product of the environment in which we live in and, and the things that come into our, our body. I mean, and like you say, they, maybe for another podcast time, we'll talk about gender identity. I know yeah. that New York has like 30 some odd different genders that it recognizes, but I'm curious now that you're talking about it, yeah. how much of our gender identity and confusion is occurring because of our environment. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. It, it's scary. It's really, really scary. But, um, but I think, again, there are different, um, very different ways to approach that. But I mean, from a chemical stance, uh, that's, that influence is not a good uh, one. Definitely not.
okay, to sum things up here, you, you have certain actions that people should take, like the five most important actions that they can help to stop exposure uh, without being a, a nutcase and being too extreme. What, what are those five? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned a little bit about, I mean, but the number one thing, and that I, I think probably everyone listening to this podcast is probably not smoking. Um, but I mean, it's really just being mindful of, again, what is your weakest link? And that is the one you should change, regardless of it maybe being the most painful, because we see a lot of people who are trying to compensate and it's natural. Uh, like if your weakest link is binging at night, then maybe you're going to fast all day, but it's only going to perpetuate the cycle that you're going to binge every night. But because we're so addicted to that, we don't like to change that, but then we try to compensate by fasting. It makes it worse. You see the same thing with people who smoke cigarettes because it's so addictive that then they're trying to clean out everything else in their environment. And I'm not saying if you can't quit it because it is very addictive um, that you should just say, screw it. But it's just to be aware that if you're smoking, uh, we know that this completely inhibits the body uh, detoxification process, something called methylation. Uh, so going on a detox to detox environmental toxins, but you're still smoking on the side, that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, if you're smoking, don't get tested for anything else. I would just say, see if you can break that habit somehow. But that's number one. Number two would be get a water and shower filter because there are so many toxins and I see it when I test people in our water supply. And it's uh, so much more than the food we eat. It's so many liters that you're drinking. Rather eat a slice of cake a day or a burger, but get the water supply clean. Uh, number three is make sure that your house is mold free. Uh, I would have been really fond of uh, this. Uh, we have dogs here that are now specialized in sniffing out mold uh, because the technicians, they cannot find the mold always if it's hidden. And that's a big problem because then you get a fake sense of security um, because the mycotoxins, they can't measure it with the equipment. They can only measure the actual spores. So if it's hidden behind a wall, they're not gonna find it. But the dog um, is trained to sniff it out and the dog can mark exactly on the wall, hey, it's here and then he makes a hole and checks it. It's just brilliant. Um, so wow. find a company who has a mold dog. And the AC, if you're in California, is a big thing um, for the mold. Um, and number four, I would say, is be aware that glyphosate, I'm seeing that in just about everyone I'm testing, and it comes, a lot of it comes from water, but also from bread. Um, so I'm pretty convinced that uh, a lot of the problems people have today with gluten is more due to that our digestion is so limited um, because we have all this chemical stuff going on and our uh, gut flora is so poor uh, that we have difficulty digesting uh, otherwise normal foods, which we could do previously. But just about everybody these days have bloating issues if they're eating too much bread or pasta. And I would say this is a pretty modern thing that we're reacting this much to gluten. And the glyphosate uh, is in bread, and that's really damaging the gut. Um, but if you eat stuff like organic bread, then you get rid of the glyphosate. If you're eating something like sourdough, sprouted bread, um, Ezekiel bread, uh, the old grains, which are more easier to digest, not this modern wonder bread stuff, 
And then you also get rid of the glyphosate. So organic bread, uh, if you're having that, is number four. And then number five would be another thing I'm finding in a lot of people is clostridia. Clostridia is particularly concerning bacteria, uh, which we get from uh, contaminated pork and cow's products. So those products are really important that we get them organic uh, because it's just so filthy the way that conventional pork and cow uh, products are raised. They use so many antibiotics because it's filthy out there. So um, get them organic and the risk of clostridia is considerably less. Um, and what does clostridia do? It messes with the body's ability to convert uh, the amino acid tyrosine to dopamine. So a few years back, and also one of the doctors I worked for in New York, Eric Braverman, uh, people were really fond of talking about, and it is really important, the brain chemistry, because the brain controls the body. But what we have also figured out is that some people, they can't convert tyrosine properly to dopamine in the brain. So if they just take a lot of ty tyrosine supplement, uh, that can make some people feel worse if they have clostridia, because clostridia inhibits the conversion into dopamine. So, yeah. Oh, those are great. And, and they're achievable there. It's, it's not too extreme and it's something that people can do. Obviously living clean and organic uh, is a great way to go. Uh, these are great tools to, to try and achieve and, and live a healthier lifestyle. I can't thank you enough for that. So Christina, I, I know your website's christinasantini.com. Uh, people can get a, quite a bit of information through your website with your blogs and, and other information that's on there. Uh, I will be sure to put it in the description below this podcast. And for those listening, you better have recorded it or downloaded the podcast right now, according to Christina, and then <laughs> listen to it later. I love that. That means that you're going to have to subscribe to the channel too. So I love that even better. Then Christina, if there's more that people want to find out, how what other ways can they, whether it's through your website that I just mentioned or other places they can go, or if they want to consult with you, how do they do that? I would say, I mean, I have a monthly uh, newsletter uh, that I send out new stuff that I've found in the research about how to use food as medicine. Uh, so go to my website and sign up for the monthly newsletter, uh, which is a kind of easy read end of the month thing. That's the most practical thing to do, I think. Beautiful. Make sure you do that. And uh, well, thank you. Thank you for being on. This has been great. It's been super informative for myself and, uh, and, and encouraging and kind of reinforcing some of the things that we already do here in, in my household. But there's a few more things that we're going to start to implement based I on- I think you sound like you're ahead of the game, Rocky, though. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, but I'm in the game for sure. But this has been, this has been wonderful. So thanks for being on. Absolutely. Take much care. That's it for another episode of the Rockfit Files. Thank you, Christina Santini, for coming on and being my guest this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Rocky underscore Snyder, to get yourself a copy of The Successful Body. I'll choose one of you followers this week and send you off a copy. Until next week, stay healthy and do yourself a favor. Follow some of those helpful hints that Christina shared with us. Take care.